This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Welcome, listeners. Uh, this is Russ the Big Guy, and we are back for another midweek bonus. This is one of our special bonus episodes. As you many of you know, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. One of the things that's vexed me when, especially when I first started, was how to market or sell myself, right? I get feedback from fellow entrepreneurs, from people that I coach or mentor, and uh, even friends. And sometimes I still have issues with it. And it is basically trying to figure out what works best, what's the best way for my business, what's the best way to get the word out? What's the best way to get that next customer or client in through the door and get that uh, payment processed or that check cleared? So with that in mind, we have started this midweek bonus, and these are some special episodes. They're based around marketing and or sales, and we have some experts online. Today, I would like to introduce you to Christy Mitchell. Hi, Christy. Hi, Russ. So you have something special prepared for us today, I understand. I do. All right. Before we get to that, let's tell the listeners a little bit about you and about your business sure. and maybe who you serve. Sure. Go ahead. All right. So I am a marketing strategist. I've been in the marketing field for over 10 years. And just I'd say within the past year, I kind of got more clear on the type of marketing that really gets me excited, where I feel like I can give the most value to my clients. And that is really working on the strategy side. So I work a lot with solopreneurs and small business owners. A lot of times they're doing all of their own marketing themselves and kind of sitting in a place wondering, I'm doing all of these things, but how is it contributing to my business at the end of the day? And is it worth my time and effort to continue doing all of these things? So I like to take a look at data. I'm very data-driven analyze the data, pull it all together, draw some conclusions, come up with a plan, give you my recommendations. And we kind of go through a collaborative approach to come up with a strategy to address your digital marketing efforts so that you can really work smarter and not harder when it comes to your own digital marketing. Yeah. Smarter, not harder. I like that idea. Yeah. All right. So, um, I've asked you to provide, uh, three of your best bits of information, suggestions, advice based around things that you know have worked or are working for your clients or maybe for yourself? Yeah, for sure. It was really hard to narrow it down, I have to say, but I decided to focus on email marketing specifically. I was just having a conversation recently with some women solopreneurs and they were talking about how they don't like to do kind of these big, huge marketing campaigns where they're getting all of these like colder leads because they said they just don't end up turning into customers. Usually the conversation goes right to price and they just kind of know it's like not going to be a good fit for them. And so they said, you know, I really have to get my leads from kind of my networking efforts and those sorts of more personalized connections, referrals and all of that. And they said, I, you know, I do a good job at that. But then it, the problem is if someone doesn't need my services right away, how do I make sure that I stay in front of them? So when they do need my services or they encounter someone who does, how am I going to stay top of mind? And so I think that's an area where social media for sure, but also email marketing can play a really big role. So that's why I decided to kind of pick that topic to talk with you about today. That's great. All right. So, so you have some tips for us? I do. So my first email marketing tip is to look at your data. Uh, looking at open and click-through rates on the email campaigns that you're sending out can really help provide a lot of insight to you. So 
looking at any sort of trends that you can find is, you know, related to the day of the week or the time of the day that you're sending out the email, you want to make sure that you're sending it at kind of the optimal time to really get people to open it and click through and engage with your content. So looking at data from that perspective, I think can be extremely helpful. Okay. And so, that, so for, for the yeah. new, all right, let me just jump in real quick. Uh, so for the, mm -hmm. for the real new newbies, uh, and I'm going to guess probably in this case, it might be uh, some older folks who maybe are a little less digital savvy and mm -hmm. are, maybe have tons of experience in whatever area and haven't run in their own business yet. Just briefly explain what open, open rates and click through is for them. Yes, for sure. So open rates is usually your email platform will calculate this as a percentage based on the total number of people who your email was sent to. Um, a percentage of that are the people who open the email. So that is what an open rate is. And then click-through rate, this can kind of vary a little bit depending on what email platform you're using. Sometimes they do it as a percentage of the total send. Uh, but I like a percentage of the people who open that is who clicks. That's, that's kind of a better marker, I think, of a click-through rate. All right. So... So when you say click through, is that someone who's clicked on a link in the email? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. So the open rate, and a lot of times people get these, you know, kind of things confused, right? So your open rate is really telling you how good your subject line and your preview text are, because that's all someone has, right? They're, they're seeing your email pops up in their inbox, whether they, whether or not they choose to open it, it doesn't really matter what's in the email itself. It's all about the subject line and the preview text. So it's really important to pay close attention to that. That's another area where I think data can be really helpful. I was just looking at a client email marketing data this week, and I noticed that all of her emails that start with your invited have higher open rates, hmm. you know? So that's something to pay attention to because if you use that verbiage, now granted, you don't want to be misleading people. You can't say you are invited, you know, to something that doesn't make sense, but paying attention to those kind of cues can really help increase the likelihood that people are going to open your email. And then the click-through rate is telling you how good the email, email content itself is. How good are you at, you know, giving someone reason enough to click something in that email to engage with your content. All right. What else do you have? Are we on to number two now? We are on to number two. So right. that was a lot for number one. Tip, All right. no, email that's marketing great. tip number two All right. is, and it kind of goes along a little bit with my, my first tip, but resending your email to non-openers. So some platforms make this really easy. Like I know MailChimp, um, sorry, not MailChimp, Constant Contact makes this really easy. There's actually a button you can check when you're going through the email send process that asks you if you want to resend to non-openers. So that just means that they're going to send your email again to the same group of people, but only the people who didn't open it the first time. Hmm. So it's kind of the best of both worlds because you're not spamming the people who already opened it and looked at it, but you're, you know, getting, giving another chance to the people who didn't see it the first time, giving them another chance to open it and, uh, you know, again, engage with it. And the, the tip there is really to make sure that you change the subject line. Um, and maybe you want to send it on a different, obviously a different day of the week. Like maybe you want to send it three to five days after the original send. And then, you know, maybe you want to change the time of day or something like that. You kind of have to play with the variables, especially if you're newer to email marketing and you don't have the background data 
to help inform what you should be doing going forward. Yeah. You just kind of have to experiment a little bit and figure out what works for your audience because it does vary by industry for sure. Okay. Uh, so far, these are low or no cost options for entrepreneurs, especially if they're doing it themselves um, or low, for sure. right? Low cost if they have an in, somebody in-house is just running the emails, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. A lot of these things are free. You know, a lot of the email providers out there, MailChimp, I don't know if Constant Contact has a free version, HubSpot, you know, all those different platforms like that. A lot of them have free versions that have, you know, limited functionality or they're going to throw their logo on the bottom of your email. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of times you can certainly do your email marketing for free, especially if you're the one writing your own content. Interesting. Okay, great. All right. So you ready for email marketing tip number three? I am ready. All right. This one, I feel like people get wrong a lot. So if you are sitting down to write an email, you need to ask yourself, what is the point of this email? What is it that I want the person receiving it to do? And where I see people kind of fail, I don't want to use it. It's a pretty negative word, but yeah. when you fail to think through the purpose of the email and the action that you want someone to take, you're really setting yourself up to not know if you're being successful in what you're doing. So I always urge people to be very clear about their call to action or CTA. And that can be different things. It could be click this button to call our office. It could be click this link to read our blog. It could be reply to this email to answer this question for me. A CTA can take on many different forms, but have being very clear about what that call to action is, is helpful to the person receiving the email. And it's also helpful to you because then you're going to know how to measure success at the end of the day. Is there a generalized um, or can you generalize on what kind of call to action gets the best response? In other words, yeah. is it call to action for uh, some sort of a lead generator, a free guide? Is it call to action for a return phone call? Um, are you asking people to go directly into um, a sales funnel or yeah. um, I mean, is there, is there something, is there something that people respond uh, overwhelmingly to? I would say that it depends on the audience for sure. It depends on the industry, depends on the business. It depends on what your audience is used to receiving from you, how much they typically engage with you. Uh, I certainly work with some clients on that funnel and like the nurture. So like they do paid advertisements to get people to download a piece of content. So the idea is you're generating leads. Someone has to submit their name and some information, email address in order to get that downloadable ebook, white paper, on-demand webinar, whatever it is. And from that, then someone may go into a nurture sequence, which is a bunch of automated emails set up with the intention of getting people to interact more. So in this particular instance, we are sending people more content. We want them to engage with other pieces of content that we have. The more they engage with our content, the better off our sales team is able to tell how likely they are to be ready for that sales phone call. So kind of qualifying leads. They're not engaging, probably not ready for that sales call. So that's one specific instance. For smaller businesses, you know, especially people who might be doing all of their own marketing themselves, that's probably a lot to wrap your head around, especially if you're new to email marketing. Yeah. So even just trying to get out, you know, if you're not doing any emails, okay, start with one email a month and think about how you can provide value to your audience. 
Is it blog posts that you're writing that are hopefully super relevant, valuable content that is solving a problem for your audience? The call to action in that email, you know, you, you're probably going to tee up the blog, give them a little bit of a taste of what you're talking about in the blog, and then you're going to ask them to click a button or a link or whatever it is to go and read the full blog post. That would be the call to action. Okay. There's other businesses, you know, that are really, you know, I think of like home improvement type businesses or something like that. You know, yeah. if their goal is they want more people calling to get estimates for jobs. You know, their call to action is going to be call us to get a quote, a free quote or whatever. Um, it's okay. really, I, it's hard to give you like kind of best, best scenario for like what you should make your call to action because it is so completely dependent on the business and the audience. Sure. So that's where the data comes in. And would you do split test or something like that with different emails, with different subject lines or different call to actions? Yes, I love A/B testing, especially right. for explain that uh, for subject the, lines. Explain that yes, for the new a, people. Yes, thank you for the reminder. So A/B testing is just what you're saying. It's it's being able to, and again, it depends on the platform you're using how easy they make this. But yeah. some platforms ask you if you want to do an A/B test, and what that means is you're going to create two versions. A lot of times, it's just to test the open rate, um, the op- the subject line. I'm sorry. Testing your subject line and your preview text. So it's giving you the opportunity to be creative twice, and it will basically send both versions of that email out to a small subset of your list. It will determine which subject line made people open more, and then it will use that subject line to send to the rest of your email list. I love A-B testing. I find that it can be challenging, especially with smaller businesses who may not have really big email lists to begin with. It can be a little tricky to get enough data to be able to do an effective A-B test. Uh, But yeah, again, relying on data for sure if you can do it. And if your email provider makes it easier for you to do it, certainly something worth trying out. Okay. And and then you kind of, uh, you mentioned something that I was going to going to use as a follow-up question, and that is for a newer company or someone who hasn't been active with email, what are some great ways these entrepreneurs can build an email list? And and not just a random sampling of business owners like you pulled it off of uh, just some random uh, association that you happen to be able to get the listing from. Yes. I am all about creating very real, authentic email lists. So I don't see a purpose in some business. I don't want to say I never see a purpose. Buying lists can serve a purpose for certain businesses. It is not my first go-to as a recommendation for anybody who's starting out in email marketing. What's a drawback? Buying a list. What's a drawback? Christy? Buying a, they, ne- they didn't ask to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> I find the whole concept, like, it makes me kind of laugh. They're I had a client who was probably like, hearing oh, from we're going to buy lists. <laughs> Well, they're probably hearing from hundreds list. of people, right? Because that list didn't get sold just yes. once. Yes. Those people didn't ask to hear from you. So what is the likelihood that they're actually going to open your email and engage with any of your content if they never asked to hear from you to begin with? I feel like it's a pretty antiquated practice, but a lot of people still do. And there's a whole business around it. It's not my go-to. All right. So I interrupt, so I think answer- I interrupted you. So yeah, go ahead. So what's, what's the best, you know, one or two ways to do it? For the new people, right? I don't have a list or I've got, I don't know, 20 people. Yes. I would say get creative and sit down and brainstorm and then 
a bunch of different ways to do it. There's not going to be one simple solution for this. So I would say, especially if you're already active on social media, putting posts out there, asking people if they want to be included in your, you know, your newsletter that you're starting up next month, it's going to be full of great tips and advice and, you know, content that you're going to find a lot of value in asking people there. I also, you know, we were talking before about downloadable content. That's certainly a great way to build your email list. Again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be a quick fix. But if you can come up with an ebook or a slide deck or something that, again, is super valuable, super relevant, is solving a problem for your audience, all you're asking them to do is complete a form with their email address, maybe first name, last name, company name, you know, keep the fields to a minimum. Right. But that's all they have to do is give you their email address, a little bit of info, and they get that resource. And that's a great way, certainly, to build your email list. Super. All right. So now here comes a here comes a challenging part for you. All right. Give okay. us a give us a case example. All right. And you don't have to mention the exact business name unless, you know, it's okay with it, your client, but tell, talk to us about a specific business and what they did and what the, what the results were that benefited them. Do you have something uh, off the top of your head? For email marketing as a whole? Yeah. For the things that you're suggesting here. So we, yeah. we just want people to know, look, cause, cause, um, yeah. here, here's the reason why I say it. All right. And it, maybe it's more about me than anybody else's, but I get tired of hearing people who claim to be experts about things. And of course they're all over mm -hmm. social media. And sometimes I wonder if these people have ever done any of this. So I'm looking for like real, something real. Maybe you did it for yourself yeah. or maybe a client. So love that question. Love real world examples. So right. I worked with a home improvement company for about a year and a half. And when I first started working with them, I looked at, they used constant contact and I was looking at what they had been doing and it was very sporadic. It was like, oh, we're running this special. We're going to send an email out to our list or, hey, we want to say happy 4th of July. So here's an email to say that. There was really no strategy behind it. They really weren't, from what I could tell, schedule thing, scheduling their emails at a strategic time. So it was probably like whenever the admin was able to put the email together, that's when they were sending it out. And so I looked at all of it. I looked at, you know, okay, of the emails you sent, like what had the highest open rates? What did those subject lines look like? They really were lacking in the call to action area. There weren't a lot of like buttons or clear ways for people to know what they were supposed to do with that email. So that was a change that we instituted. Every single email had a very clear call to action. I did a lot with them. We created an entire blog strategy so that we had a good reason to be sending out consistent emails. So we got to a place where we were sending emails every single week. They were either featuring a blog post that was that helpful, relevant content that I've been talking about that really is not, not about you selling your business at all. It's about you providing value to the person receiving the email. So we were sending weekly emails. They either focused on a blog or maybe they focused on, you know, sparingly we put in promotions in there, or maybe they were kind of like a a little ad at the bottom of the email. So we're still providing value. And then, oh, by the way, we're, we're running this special until the end of the month. So make sure you contact us about it. So being consistent about the sending every single week, looking at the time of day and the day of the week that we were sending to optimize for opens and using that resend to non-openers, all of these things resulted in open rates like skyrocketing. I mean, they were at like, 
I think maybe between like 10 and 12% open rate when I first started. And then we were up like closer to 30%. Um, Wow. As we, you know, became w- more strategic about it. I would have been happy with 10 to 20%. <laughs> yeah, no, 20 to 30% is like a great, wow, a great target. Yeah. Okay. Was that what they were looking for? Obviously they're looking for sales, right? So how did yes. they, what was the next step for them? I mean, and where did your involvement end? Was it uh, at, at that point where they had the open rates and then people went to their blog posts and then you were, that was where you were done or? So do we know what they were able to, their, their closing rate was, which was, you know, the percentage of people who went to the blog yeah. posts who became clients? Do you have that info or not? Right. I wish I did. Okay. Unfortunately, they didn't have great systems in place to track how people, how new customers came in. So it yeah. was very difficult to draw the line between, you know, this is how they came in and then this is what ended the sale. But with that sure. being said, I'll, I'll also add a lot of times it can be hard in marketing to trace sales back to one specific thing, right? It's usually this multi-touch attribution, which is just a fancy way of saying there's a lot of different touch points for most people before they become a customer. And all of them play a role, you know, whether it's the social media, the email, the radio ad, the whatever it is, there's all these different places that you can quote unquote, touch, you know, a consumer before you're going to get them to actually convert and become a customer. Yeah. Well, I would guess if they had, uh, I don't know, whatever their percentage of sales was from the uh, open rates that they were getting, um, I, I would think that it would have doubled or maybe even increased even more because they certainly were establishing themselves as the authority, right? With all the blog posts yeah. and a sort, you yeah. know, that source for good information and, um, and really a way to, to be active regularly. So where for does sure. it, where does all that content come from? I've got a solopreneur listening right now. Who's yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I can hardly, I, know. I can hardly it's serve the customers right? I have, but I have to <laughs> make changes. What do I do? <laughs> all right. What do you have? Yeah, for us? strategic partners for sure. So in this particular instance, I was I provided the strategic oversight with the company, and then I contracted out to writers. So I came up with the ideas for blog posts and used a writer to actually write the content because no one in the business had the time or bandwidth or really the expertise. Right? Like they know their business, they don't. They're not trained on how to write a blog post, right? So. Right. We, it was, it was a very collaborative approach, right? It's me driving the strategy, bringing in someone to do the writing, but we had to lean heavily on the subject matter experts within the company to get the information, to address the questions we were trying to through the content we were creating. Okay. That makes sense. Great. Yeah. All right. Super. So this could be a very simple process for someone, or if they wanted it to get much more involved and more elaborate, they're going to need help. And that's where they might contact you, Christy. Yeah. So, all right. So we have a small business owner who has not gotten him or herself organized yet around the emails, but they want to. So they're going to mm-hmm. contact you, right? So how much money sure. do they need to have in their pocket before they call? That is a great question. It really depends on how much we're addressing. Typically, I don't only work with people on their email presence. It's kind of like a total... package, like let's look at all of the things. And so I offer what's called a marketing success roadmap. And that is me looking at all of the data from your social channels, from your emails, 
and, you know, coming up with a strategic plan based on that. So that planning, that pulling the data, coming up with the plan, meeting with you, and then we do accountability sessions. Mm. If that does not involve other contractors, the price for that package is $1,750. Okay. If we're getting other contractors involved, obviously there's going to be more cost associated with that. So it really just depends on the needs of the business owner at that point. Okay. So that's good to know. And then um, over the course of a year, if you were to stay involved with a company, well, what kind of what kind of investment might they want to make or plan for, I guess maybe I should say? Yeah. So there are some companies that I work with where I'm on a monthly retainer. So aside from the marketing success roadmap package that I talked about, you know, I do some monthly retainer work with clients where they want to keep me, you know, on staff in a way to assess what they're doing, to give my input on new things they're considering, those sorts of things. It, I base my pricing on that, depending on how many meetings I have to attend and that sort of thing. Yeah. It could be anywhere from $500 a month if it's minimal to, you know, $1,250 a month. Um, it just depends on kind of the expectations and how much time they're going to need from me to be a bit, to be available. Okay. And you're going to be looking at the data throughout that process. You're going to be uh, providing yes. reports or feedback to them on what's working, what's not working. You're kind of what would your role be specifically? Yeah, it's really tailored to the customer themselves. So I have one client that I work with. They're more of a medium-sized business. And I only meet with them quarterly. And when we first worked together, I pulled all the data and created all these reports for them. Then they decided, you know what? We could do this ourselves. I said, sure, go ahead have at it. So they pull all their own data now and I just meet with them once per quarter yeah. to go over what what we're seeing and what I think and then to ask me questions and get advice from me because they're like a super small marketing team. It's like two people. So it really, I would say that kind of depends on the business and their needs, whether they're pulling the data or I'm pulling it. Okay. It sounds like you're pretty flexible. I mean, uh, and, the, and I your, your pricing is good, especially for someone who's hasn't done this before. I mean, they may not, they may not know. They may think, well, I need like 10 grand or something to even go talk to somebody. So, you know, under, yeah. under a couple grand is probably doable for most businesses that are operating. Yeah. Yes. All right. Super. Well, Christy, thanks. I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we uh, start to close up here? I don't think so. This has been great. I appreciate the opportunity and I hope that people got some value out of the tips that I shared. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Listen, how can people get a hold of you if they, I'm guessing probably you'll take a, a discovery call or a strategy call with someone and it won't cost them anything. Is that correct? For sure. Yes. I do free 15 minute consultations to just kind of get to know you, your business, what your challenges are. And I can tell really in that amount of time, whether I'm the right person for you, or if I'm not, chances are I have a recommendation of who you should be working with instead. So I'm happy to schedule those calls. You can do that right through my website, which is christymitchell.com. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn 
please send me a message first. I'm a little picky on LinkedIn and I don't accept requests from people I don't know because I want my network to really be genuine so that if someone comes to me and says, hey, can you make an intro? I actually know who the person is. Gotcha. So send me a message. Happy to connect and message that way. Set up you know, a 15-minute call. I'd be happy to do that. Okay. that's All right. Well, thanks, Christy. You've given us some amazing information today. And uh, you've got a nice vibe, which is cool, right? So um, thank you. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's really important. Well, I would say that's always important. If you're going to yes. work with somebody, you have to really connect, right? And I think that's for sure part of that initial phone call, that uh, strategy call or discovery call. I think that's part of the real value in that. Of course, from your end, you want to make sure that it's the right client for you. Um, the client's going to want to mm-hmm. make sure that they feel comfortable working with you, obviously, and it's a good match. But there's some of those intangibles involved, which I always think is so important. So if Absolutely. you, uh, yeah, and, uh, and so that's really, um, it's really cool that we do this, uh, uh, midweek uh, bonus episode based around this. It gives people a chance to get to know you a little better. So before we close, uh, we have uh, yeah. given our listeners uh, the contact information for you. Uh, we're going to close out here in just a minute. Before we go, here's a surprise for you. Tell our listeners Uh-oh. a fact about you that no one knows. It doesn't have anything to do with your business that they'll find interesting. <laughs> I am an expert marshmallow roaster. Awesome. <laughs> you spend a lot of time around a campfire or do you practice over your gas range in the kitchen or what do you do? Campfire for sure. I'm super patient and picky and oh. I don't, if it gets burned, it goes in the fire and I start over again. So oh, I, and it's got, you can't just get like the char on the outside without the marshmallow being melted on the inside. Like there is a specific art to it oh and I mastered it. Well, I liked you up until this point, Christy. <laughs> You are one of those people that drives me nuts. It's like, just eat it already. <laughs> I stick mine right in the fire. I let it I let it go up in flames. I pull it out. I, bl- I blow on it. That's and that's the sister. end of it. That's what my sister does too. We're totally this, opposite in that uh, way. I, <laughs> I, know, I know two young ladies who fiddle. They fiddle, fiddle, fiddle with it. Fiddle, fiddle, fiddle. And before they get it, out of the fire, it slides off the poker into the flames. And See, then, it's a fine art, and it, I love the challenge. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, gosh. All right, thank you, Christy, and we're out of here. <laughs> that concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, 
and wash your hands.